Welcome to episode 306 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man who is not sitting across the table from me. He is sitting in a room across the hallway from me. We'll get into that in just a minute. It's Russell John, the Fisherman. Hey, what's up? I uh, hope everyone's feeling well. I am uh, currently in the dungeon that Creepy Clark used to live in. It's very comfortable. Um, all the chairs are oddly themed as toilets. And uh, yeah, I'm down here because it, last week, you know, I'm going to jump into this really quick because I have to guilt Clark. Last week after we recorded, we attempted a bang bang and the motherfucker left me hanging. We went to Carl's Jr. <laughs> he ordered, what the hell did you order? That was the most disappointing thing ever. Again, I told you that I was not hungry anymore. Okay, no, no, go ahead. But it was, it was very, it was very clear. It was very clear that you wanted to go. So I went as a friend for support. But somehow, in your disturbed pre-COVID riddled brain, you have turned this into me not being a team player. Wait, but what did you order? Where? Oh, oh, at, at Horrible's Carl's Jr., which I yeah, will never yeah. go back to again. Yeah. It was a terrible chicken waffle sandwich for $11 that was the size of a chicken biscuit. <laughs> and it was it was two chicken strips on a super dry, depressing faux waffle bun that was bullshit. Fuck Carl's Jr. Yeah, it was comical how tiny that thing was. And, uh, you know, I just went with the uh, uh, double bacon Western crap or whatever. I don't know. It's good. But then, you know, I threw it out there because I had always thought it was like a funny idea. And he, he was down. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. So I went to fucking McDonald's and Clark, I could tell Clark wasn't in it. Like he was regretting it the minute he saw that I was really going to do it. And then when we got there, I ordered a fish filet and 20 McNuggets. <laughs> And I fucking killed it. And then it yeah. killed me. Anyway, I brought that up because I'm currently on another bang bang right now where I went ahead and I got the flu and I said, hey, why not? Let's just get some Omicron in there, too. So right now I'm on a viral bang bang. And uh, just like that food <laughs> bang bang, it's fucking me up, too. So, yeah, I'm, I'm self-quarantined right now. I'm highly medicated, so I can't be held responsible for anything I say this episode. Joining Russell John the Fisherman in his self-quarantine is Oksana Valerieva Osachi, who really doesn't have a choice. Yeah. I also, I didn't have the flu, but um, I did the bang-bang. I got a very disappointing sandwich at Carl's Jr. <laughs> so I got something at McDonald's. I don't even remember what. Cool. <laughs> I feel bad because the internet in your room is not very good right now, but... uh just have faith that Randy's getting all of the audio. So I've just been powering through it whenever you freeze. <laughs> she basically Same. said, she, yeah, she, she basically said that, uh, she did the bang bang with us, but she doesn't even remember what she got at McDonald's. No one ever remembers what they got at McDonald's. That's what McDonald's is for. <laughs> it's really disappointing as far as fast food goes. But you know who is not disappointing? Our beloved Saint of <laughs> Peaches, <laughs> Randy Michaelstead. Yeah, that's me. I guess I'm a, a saint of sorts. I also can say that I haven't been to <laughs> McDonald's in months, but I hear that they have a McPlant coming soon. 
Might might give it a shot. I think it's in test markets. I think it's LA. I don't think they've got any up here. Yeah. I also think that KFC just launched the uh, Beyond Chicken. Uh, or Impossible yes. Chicken. I think they're in a nugget form. Okay. I'm down with that. I follow several fast food food reviewers because I don't know what to do with my time. Also, for listeners, I am not a vegan or vegetarian, but I do like to dabble. <laughs> oh, that was embarrassing, dude. All right. I'll well, fuck around, um, dude. <laughs> also, I, uh, you know, before we get things going, I just wanted to point out that uh, congratulations, boys. Uh, you're both doing great with your book goals this year. I, on the other hand, have yet to complete a single book, yet the lovely audience that we've uh, curated in this podcast, every single person who's read a fucking book has reached out to me and kind of rubbed it in in the same way. And I just want to say thank you. Um, It's not for a lack of effort. I just, I've cornered myself reading this very dense book of collected essays about the Blair Witch from 2001. I thought you were about to say the Bible. No, dude. This this book is rough. Like, every paragraph, you gotta, like, reflect on it. And there are, like, three paragraphs to a very dense page, and there are over 300... I I really started with the hurdle. And uh, I know it sounds like excuses, but I, I will get to this 50... I promise you. I think, Randy, what, you're already two in? And, Clark, I know you got one at least. We'll take money. I'll put money on this. You won't hit 50. And if you do hit 50, there's going to be some there's shenanigans. Oh, what do you mean? Well, here's what I do know is that, I look, I think you'll hit a, 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 a very... Um, you find you a know, good adjective. A, a nice... Shut the fuck up. A nice... <laughs> You'll hit a nice number. You're not going to hit 50. But what I do know is that every day this week, uh, you got a book in the mail. Oh, the so, dude. So you're starting, to, you're starting to pile up. So, you know, that's something. Yeah. I um, Here's the other thing. Now that I'm reading books, everybody who's been like quietly reading books, they're always looking for a friend to talk about this shit with. So, dude, if you recommend me a book, chances are I'll buy it. And I have complete intention of reading it. Although our room is starting to look like a weird wizard hoarder's like... We did just see an episode of... um, Starting to look? Yeah. We watched an episode of Hoarders recently where the entire house was just a maze that was like walls of books. There's 14,000 books in that house. I think they weighed it out in metric tons. It was... I don't know. It was embarrassing. But... um. Their books also look very boring. We have a bunch of good ones. And I think you're right. I did get eight books in the mail this week. Also, two books I completely forgot I was getting because they came in the Severn Black Friday bundle. And I was like, oh, my God, there's books in here, too. <laughs> so that, uh, again, a quick shout out. That, man, Severn, half of the, the Blu-rays in there came with slipcovers. They're beautiful. I love it. Keep the slipcovers up, but... It had the Night of the Demon bundle, which came with uh, very many phallic stickers, a Blu-ray with a slipcover, a poster, a keychain, a statue, and a novel. So that novel's going up on the queue. I'm I'm definitely going to read that. But dude, we've got uh, some movies to watch in there, Clark. Once uh, once you let me out of the dungeon, because I got dude. Um, by by dungeon, what he means is uh, our podcast studio, which is also my work office. So <laughs> what a wonderful way to quarantine yourself in an area which I have to work. 
Yeah, well, I'm uh, ventilating it. I also went downstairs and opened up everything, so I thought about that. But although I did um, lick all 18 of the cups that you have around your desk, just hoping that well, you reuse one of them. No, that's, that's a mental disorder you have. So that's, you know, I, that's okay. <laughs> you have, uh, you've got that tick. Um, this is why I live alone now. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. <laughs> yep, that's the only reason. All right. Well, um, again, I'm I'm hot on the medication. So however long you all want to go. I'm down, uh, but uh, not okay. <laughs> I figured. All right. Well, then, uh, you guys got anything you want to plug or I don't know. I hope everybody enjoyed um, the Yin and Daylight podcast we did last week. Uh, that was great. Allende, he's he's a good friend and a very talented artist. And oh boy, that was like wrangling cats in that damn room. And I I just have to point out that the minute we got in there. Uh, Clark constantly makes fun of me for being like a, like a control freak. And I try to like manage these situations and they got in and both jumped on live stream right away. And I was just like, Oh fuck. <laughs> okay. And I, everybody was in the room for one time and, uh, managing the mixer. And, oh man, it was a headache. I hope it sounded okay. Did either of you listen to it? From what I've heard of uh, people online, they said it sounded fine. I heard part of the um, thing on on Daylight's Instagram reels, and yeah. it sounded great. On her reels, or was it her live stream, or was it the wherever act- it saves that stuff? Yeah, that was I probably the live reel. stream, though. All right, yeah. Other than that, I don't know. Did you guys have anything else? Uh no. There's a bunch of really dumb news we could talk about. Like David Arquette was saying it's, it was very cathartic uh, working with his ex-wife on the new uh, set of Scream. You want, you guys want to throw that back and forth? <laughs> what does that even mean? Because they broke up, him and Courtney Cox. Well, typically when you start with ex-wife, that's, that's the I, I know. Yeah, I thought you were following me there. No, but, cathartic. Uh, cathartic. How is that yeah. cathartic? Oh, I don't know. He was just saying... Uh, I don't I guess it was like, you know, kind of closing the chapter. I don't there was a report um where he got extremely emotional when he got on set and then the crew wouldn't look at him the next day. But also, I don't know, David Arquette's kind of a character. So I don't know. He Did you watch that documentary? Which one? I you cannot David kill Ar- David Arquette. That's oh my <laughs> Yeah, it was good. <laughs> this shit is going great. <laughs> Clark, just come in here and get COVID now. So then we can uh, share our perfect. Um, I mean, imagine it's just going to happen. I know, right? Yeah. Well, here's the thing: if you get Omicron, who cares? If you get the flu, that's not what you want. Oksana's been like sniffly and like not having a great time. But man, that flu! I had chills. I was. Uh, burning up like it's one of those things where if you put your arm outside of the blanket it feels like it's gonna like turn blue and fall off but under the blanket it felt like i was about to spontaneously combust at any point yes the flu the flu yeah sucks yeah but you know omicron i don't know it's kind of like a cold it's like an inconvenience although i think Oxana if you're vaccinated her... uh, yeah well I may, uh, I may or may not have lost my taste of uh sense of taste for the time being. Do we know anybody well, that, that got Omicron that isn't go. vaccinated? Yes. I think I do too. Yeah, I, I got to follow up with them and see if it's any worse. 
Um. Anyway, right. let's go ahead and uh, start the show officially. Uh, actually, fuck, we should have told him about the quarantine, but you know, I'm sh- I'm sure he'll do fine. Let's, I'll bring <laughs> him in now. Good morning. It's January nine, two thousand twenty-two, and it's a Sunday. Today is day two of weekend projects. I hope your projects are going great. I'm going to be once again working with wood, electricity, and coffee. (laughs) Everyone. Okay. Have a great day. Man, I'm really glad we fly him out for that. (laughs) Is he combining all of those things? (laughs) When is he not working with coffee, though? I don't know. Or wood. (laughs) Or electricity, for that matter. (laughs) All right, I'm dying. I don't know. I think he's building his coffin. (laughs) All right, yeah, I I got a TBR, but I'm going to do it next week. I'm going to sit here and die if I try to run through it. Cool, we can do that. was it a feature film? Uh, I think so. I don't know. I, I like to. I, I only read the email like right before I watch the movie, and then I try to take notes. It's it's a right. dumb process I have. Yeah. All right. Well, like I said, a uh, little bit of a abnormal week this week, so we'll get things rolling along. Randy, Michael, Stat, tell us what you seen this week, baby. Will do. Uh, earlier this morning, I watched a movie from 2021 directed by Todd Stevens featuring Udo Kier called Swan Song. My man. You've seen this? Yeah, I saw it on a plane uh, over oh, Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Tight. Um, yeah, so basically the plot of the movie, uh, Udo Kier is in like a uh, nursing home. It's very old and, uh, you know, quite, quite frail. And uh, he gets a visit from some people um, that he like used to know, and they basically ask for him to come into his uh, old town in Ohio and um, like make up this person who he used to uh, who he was really good friends with, who is dead, and they want to. He used to be a, like a famous hairdresser in the town and like do makeup for people. Um, and he was just like really, um, big in the community around there. So they want him to come back and, uh, make up this person to, uh, to look nice on their, uh, their funeral day. Sandusky, Um, Ohio. Correct. Yeah. So, um, he initially declines the offer, but then, uh, it's like a day or something. Maybe he kind of decides that he wants to do it and he escapes from the nursing home in uh, sweatpants and like a stained white t-shirt and goes to his uh, hometown, and he, uh, it's kind of like a road movie. Um, it does start off kind of, like, sad, but it gets much funner from there. Um, there's some really good scenes. He, so he's a, an old gay man, and he goes back to his uh, town that he grew up in Ohio, and he, like, goes to a gay bar and, like, talks to people, and, like, there's a big, like, drag uh, scene with him and, like, a couple um, other people, and it was, like, the last night of this bar, like, being in existence, it was going to close. And, um, yeah, he kind of just like, he kind of just like wanders around and, uh, meets some people and, um, is, is, uh, Sandusky in Ohio, which 
I don't know anything about in real life. Sounded like there was like a big, like thriving culture there. Well, it's where, it's where Jerry Sandusky is from. So it is the child pedophile ring of America. Oh, tight. Um, but yeah, it looks like it's kind of uh, going through like a Detroit situation where it was like this big kind of like booming town. Um, and then, you know, there's kind of like abandoned buildings and it looks kind of like kind of poor. But then you also have people like coming in and kind of like gentrifying. So the bar that the gay bar that he goes to that they have the drag show at, they say that someone's coming in and like uh, making like some bullshit like craft brewery or something. Um, so that's why they're closing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's really, there's some very sad moments for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just movies about getting old are kind of tough to watch sometimes, especially when it has to deal with like nursing homes and stuff like that. But, um, there's also like a lot of really like good, like joyful moments and Udo Kier's great. Uh, you know, I mostly see him in kind of, uh, like evil roles or like kind of more hardened roles. And this is a, uh, a very sweet Udo Kier movie. Yeah, I really, I really like this. And I think that it does a good job because, you know, I think there's clear fantastical elements to this. Yeah. Um, especially towards the end. With um, his buddy that he meets outside yeah. the, uh, the park bathroom. Yeah. 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 And then that kind of l- l- bleeds into the drag show at the end and, Mm-hmm. Um, may or may not lead into the very end, um, with everything, but I don't know. It works in, you know, like Randy said, it does build, uh, towards that. And it, it does build towards a feel good movie. And, um, yeah, Udo Kier is just, he's perfect in this. Um, it's just the, you know, a very old, very gay German man in Ohio. And it's just, <laughs> yeah. um, it's, it's really fun. And I really, really enjoyed it. He goes like full, this, just like straight up his, uh, I'm assuming his original like accent. Um, so it's, it's very German. It's almost hard to make out at times too, what he's saying, but, um, yeah, yeah, it's good. And he, um, he smokes a specific brand of cigarettes that, uh, may or may not have been discontinued. And, uh, I don't know that's an ongoing theme in the film, but, um, I really, I really enjoyed this. I think this was one of the films that I watched when I was on my vacation, as it were. Oh, okay. Uh, so why I didn't bring it up. But yeah, I saw this on a plane uh, going from Phoenix to Dallas and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Nice. Besides that, uh, I'll talk quickly about a movie called Bergman Island, which came out last year as well, 2021. On Bergman uh, Island. Starring Tim Roth and Vicky Creeps. Uh, they play a like a filmmaking couple that goes to uh, Faro in Sweden, which is literally Bergman Island. It's where Igmar Bergman lived and died, and he shot a bunch of his movies there, uh, like Scenes from a Marriage. So they actually stay in the place that Scenes from a Marriage was filmed. Um, and he shot like a bunch of stuff there. So there's basically like this whole like sort of like tourist like organization. Um, in this island, there's like a, a safari tour that like takes you on a bus around the island to show you like, oh, he shot this movie here or he shot this movie here. Um, but uh, basically this movie, yeah, they're a, a filmmaking couple and Tim Roth is there um, to show one of his movies as well uh, to like the community there. So it's kind of like part work, part vacation. And they're also like kind of looking for inspiration for their next screenplays. Um there's a, 
a very cool sort of uh, movie within a movie type of thing. So um, after a while, uh, Chris, who is played by Vicky Creeps from Phantom Thread and Old, she is uh, writing a screenplay and her and Tim Roth, his name is Tony. They're just wandering around the island, kind of talking about like their work and stuff. And uh, Chris starts talking about her screenplay and is trying to like kind of convey the story. So it's kind of like about like a first love type of thing, but it also takes place on the same island that they're staying at. Um, So it kind of like blends fiction and reality. And you're not sure if this is something that like maybe actually happened to her back in the day um, or not, or if it's something that's just kind of uh, imagined. But uh, I don't know. It's pretty cool. There's a, a couple scenes where Tim Roth's character kind of like tunes out, but you're seeing the film within a film. Uh, so you're kind of like in Vicky Creeps' character's head. You're kind of seeing her like still create like more um, parts of this movie. Um, so Tim Roth will kind of like tune out and then you'll see like a 20 minute scene from this movie that she's kind of like imagining and then it'll like cut back into reality. Um, I don't know. It's really good. I really, you know, like Tim Roth a lot. Vicky Creeps, I think I, you know, saw her first in Phantom Thread, but uh, she's great. She's, I don't know, just really interesting to watch. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a drama, you know, it's not anything too, um, you know, it doesn't really line up with this podcast per my usual um, choices, which are not horror movies. I know we do not have any horror movies on this podcast <laughs> this week. Um, but yeah, it's good. Uh, I dig it a lot. It's, uh, I think it's like a six dollar rental i heard it was going to be on hulu soon but um i'm not sure when that when that is does she age at a normal rate she does there is uh water and like a a beach situation but um they yeah they age at a normal pace no you know i like my beaches to be all fucked up with time baby the sand and old there is water and a beach situation. Randy, this yeah. couldn't sound more boring. I don't know. What the hell are you watching? It's good. <laughs> it sounds like that kind of like French cinema where it's like we have a movie production and we're filming basic life. And in uh, in this like compromise and this exchange, we learn that like both are transcendent or something. I don't know. I Normally also, I'm on I, board. I will say that... Uh, despite the title and you know how uh full of Bergman the movie is it's also very critical like of Bergman mm-hmm. um so basically when they get there uh Chris Vicky Creeps she they get to the place where Bergman created a bunch of his movies it's like this beautiful like countryside and they're kind of like this place is beautiful like why are Bergman's movies so like miserable all the time <laughs> so they kind of like talk about how yeah sort of like you know, they appreciate his movies, but they're kind of like, what's his deal? Like, why is he always like so fucked up and sad in like all of his movies? Um, so that was cool. And then apparently there, if everything in this movie, uh, the Bergman wise is true. There's also on this estate, there is a, it looks like a barn from the outside, but it's like a cinema on the inside and they have like 30 prints of Bergman movies. So if you stay there, you can like just watch Bergman films on like film. So I don't know how much of that is true, but it was, so uh, you booked was cool. you booked your stay. <laughs> yeah, I'm going next week. Oh man, I that Bergman Island jingle you sang, Clark, is still stuck in my head currently. Oh, um, Bergman Island. Yeah. Also, Mia Vasakaska uh, is featured in this movie. God bless I was, you. I was waiting for you to run through that goddamn name. 
it's almost like a challenge on some of these film podcasts. She's in our uh, favorite Cronenberg film. Maps to the Stars? Yeah. I mean, honestly, when you when you started breaking down this movie, that's the first thing I thought of. Really? Yeah, well, I mean, it's got that tour element to it where you're driving around L.A. looking at locations. But other than that, I guess it really is different. Well, no, I guess there are miserable people hanging out in a beautiful area, and they're all, like, pretty well-off and rich. Yeah, I don't know. The miserable people. Ooh, a little Marilyn Manson there? I like that. Hell yeah. Also, you're making on now, I guess, right? Oh, yeah. No, nobody likes them anymore. Um, (laughs) Weren't we just talking about this in that part in Bowling for Columbine where everybody's like, oh, he's really thoughtful. It's like, oh, shut the fuck up. He's a human, like. Well, because I think we were talking about my my uh, lifelong long term crush of Rose McGowan, and then we started oh, yeah. talking about uh, him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you watched Scream and you didn't bring it up on here. Yeah. Well, you could finag- you could finagle it in now. I did that great coverage of David Arquette in the intro. <laughs> 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 yeah, but Rose McGowan, she looked great in that movie. And I think that was prime uh, Harvey was uh, getting creepy on her. Harvey do what he do. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's a fucking weirdo. All right, Randy, what else you got? Yeah, so yesterday I went to the Midtown Art Cinema here in Atlanta and I saw the new film uh, by one Cohen brother, uh, Joel Cohen, The Tragedy of Macbeth. Um, which will be, I think, a couple of days after this uh, airs, will be on Apple TV Plus if you have that. But uh, you know, I uh, felt like might might as well uh, go see it in theaters. Um, so yeah, it is a retelling of Shakespeare's Macbeth, and if you know anything about Macbeth, you probably already know what happens in this movie. <laughs> I am a big dummy, and I don't really know Shakespeare. I know he's influential and important. But um, I will say that the cadence and the Shakespeare speak to me often sounds in this movie like a different language. So it was very hard to understand what was going on sometimes. But the cinematography is actually very Bergman-esque at times. It reminded oh, me God. kind of of The Seventh Seal. Um, it reminds me kind of a lot of, you know, just like, old like Soviet cinema or um, German expressionism. It's very stark contrast. There's a lot of shadows. There's a lot of scenes where like people are like almost so shadowed. You like can't make them out. The sets are like really huge. There's like a ton of fog. There's some really cool um, like crossfades from scene to scene that like seem very seamless. Um, Yeah, it looks amazing. I would say if you have a chance to see it on a, on a big screen or if you have a projector at your house, uh, definitely do it that way. Um, like I said, the story for me didn't really do a whole lot because I, uh, it's hard for me to understand the iambic pentameter. I think it's called, um, but yeah, did, it's a, uh, it, go for yeah, it. Sorry. I, th- I just, I did some minor research and, uh, I think there is some unrhymed iambic pentameter in Macbeth. Okay. But yeah, Denzel's great. Um, everyone else in the movie is good. I don't know. There's tons of people in this movie. I also thought it was kind of interesting that um, besides, you know, the general Shakespeare speak, uh, everyone kind of talked seemingly in their own voice. Like there wasn't like a... People use like their own like accents, it seemed like. 
like Denzel kind of like has his own sort of way of talking. And then Francis McDormand kind of has her own way of talking. And I don't know. I thought that was cool. Wait, Wait yeah, hold on. I, I don't What's think we up? needed, I don't think we need Denzel Washington doing a Scottish accent. So I think we're good there. Yeah, no, I, mean, I don't, I wouldn't have cared regardless, but um, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was probably the better choice is kind of what I'm saying. So for sure. I agree. do it that way. Russ, I would have been into that. I know. I was going to say, what the hell's the iambic pictometer? Oh my God. All right. We'll see you next week. <laughs> what is that? Wait, I clearly, I'm not going to be the only one that doesn't know. Is that just like the language it, that Shakespeare speaks or some shit? So it's, it's a specific style of, of prose and very, it's common in, you know, Shakespeare's time with, you know, poetry and with, um, it's almost know, like a cadence. Yeah. Oh, like Shatner. Sure, he has a cadence. I wouldn't say it's iambic pentameter. Okay, so then the iambic pentameter is the uh, the <laughs> thing that you do to the English language that makes it impossible for English-speaking people to understand it? No, it's just, you know, it's, it's Shakespeare. It's from the fucking 1400s. So, um, I mean, look, I saw this thing last night as well. I saw it last night at 7 um, in a reclining seat in a theater and uh, the dulcet tones of the Shakespearean uh, vernacular uh, put me in a very sedated state um, to where I got a little sleepy Uh, and I have not gotten sleepy in a theater in quite some time. So that felt good (laughs) that, (laughs) Hey, I haven't lost my touch that I can still Clark out as we say, but I dude, think of it this way. You went out to the theater and you were at less risk of getting COVID than you would be at home. That's fair. So That's yeah, true. you went out there, you got a good nap. That's true. I mean, it sounds like a win-win. By the way, I, I went to the Daily City Theater, and I have not been there in over six, seven years. The last time I went there was when we saw that uh, Russian submarine movie. Oh yeah, Black Sea. Black really Sea, good. which was great. I love Black yeah, Sea. Really good. But um, I didn't know they had three floors in that theater. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Yep. Also, that's one of the longest escalators I've ever been on in my life. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> when that theater opened, I was in high school and we all, I don't know what we thought, but we were imagining that it was going to be this giant, like, okay, so I know this is very like local, but in the Bay Area over on Metro, uh, there used to be a theater there that they tore down. They had a giant fucking arcade. And when that one went away, the Daily City Theater was opening up. And we're like, dude, three floors? One of those is going to be an arcade. They have the lamest fucking arcade. And it was just like a boring, it was almost felt like it belonged in a mall. Well, it's a we- it does. It's a weird layout because we say three floors, but the first floor is, uh, let's call it 14 square feet. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's really weird. And like now, like in the current era, you look at that theater and you're like, how do they pay for that? Like it's so big and there's so many yeah, lights and there's so many employees and there's not a lot of people in there watching movies. Like wh- how the fuck do they yeah. keep that thing open? I have no idea. It, it wasn't overly crowded last night. It was a Saturday night with, you know, Spider-Man, but I feel like most of the people who have already seen Spider-Man, it's, it's done. I don't know if people are going out to see the matrix. I don't think it's doing oh. very well. You boy. Yeah. 
You know, actually, Daly City, the thing that really hurt that theater is it is right next to a high school. So if you went out there like night of or like opening night, it was never a fun experience. There are always people yeah. yelling and yeah. It's also Not next great. to a funeral home. Yeah, I, I tried. I applied there a couple of times. It wouldn't take me. Don't know why. Yeah, because you don't know what iambic pentameter is. <laughs> why? You know, you you get on this show, and then you wonder why I have this weird complex about not going to college. And then I sit in here with three college people. Oksana was laughing so hard when you were giving me shit about that that she was coughing up a lung. And I made sure to aim her head over to where you work so that I could get you back. This is like, did you not go to ninth grade? This is stuff you should have learned in middle school. I know. And this is coming from a guy who went to middle school in Mississippi. Yeah. I know. Fucking good education. You <laughs> California scumbag. <laughs> I'm just dumb. But no, dude. no, I, I no. Uh, to Randy's point, um, this thing did look like it looked like the one Bergman film I've seen in my life. Um, you know, stark shadows and things like uh, what do you think the one Bergman film is I've seen? Uh, film that you've seen. Correct. Um, what's the one with strawberry in the title? Incorrect. Wild oh. strawberries. Wild Fanny strawberry. and Alexander. No, both y'all steak. Seventh Seven seal. seal. Yeah. Well, I, okay. That's the hack one. I was trying to go. Exactly. Oh, okay. I, okay. I got you. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, hack one, I'm like, I'm good. You know what? I don't think I've seen any of them. I think I own a bunch of them. Brandy, did I give did I give you my copy of Fanny and Alexander? No, I've still yet to see it. I have it. I thought I did. All right. Wait, well, next time I see you. Have we watched any Igmar? Have no? you seen Hour of the Wolf? So. No, I don't no. think so. Hour of the Wolf is cool. It's the most uh, close to a horror movie that I think Bergman has. What about Hour of the Wolf Cop Two? <laughs> I'm there. We Honestly, I uh I think um I own three books on Bergman too. <laughs> Hell yeah. You got Bergman on Bergman? I do. I do have Bergman on Bergman. Oh god. Is that gonna be I one have of the like 50? a uh No. <laughs> I have like a twelve hundred page Godard book that I've read about four hundred pages of. Hey, good job. It gets boring after like the seventies, you know. Well, it, so I it, stopped there, dude. Twelve hundred pages—that's fucking crazy. I got one for a Diodato that came with the um, Severn package, and it's a coffee table book. And the thing, uh, dude, coffee table books—like, is it in Italian? No, uh, part. I mean, a lot of it is in foreign language because it's got a lot of the poster layout. But man, coffee table books—what a fucking who. <laughs> Like you write a coffee table book and it's this giant book full of art and a lot of writing. Does anybody sit down and read them? Like, does anybody fucking read a coffee table book? Like, it's, really? It's, like, eh. No, I is, don't like. I feel, is there meant for decoration? To read. Exactly. But dude, I was flipping through that thing. There's a lot of effort put into that writing. It, what a bummer. What a thankless, like sport to be a part of it's such a collaborative effort and then it just lingers on your table until somebody dumps coffee on it or something yeah we're the coffee table books of podcast yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's actually pretty accurate 
especially this week. <laughs> Dude, this week's great. Randy mentioned how many other shows are not recording because they're getting riddled with their own virus bang bangs. Oh, no, they're yeah. recording, but I've had like three podcasts this week where the host got COVID. Oh, well, fuck. Uh, Randy, delete this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Randy, you got anything else? That's it. All right. Last week, I believe it was last week, uh, Randy, did you talk about the hand of God last week? Is that what it was? Or is it two I weeks think ago? so. Maybe two weeks okay. ago. Okay. Well, last week or, or two weeks ago, uh, we were talking about uh, Sorrentino and uh, his discography. And one of the films that was mentioned was This Must Be the Place with Sean Penn. Um, and this is a movie that uh, I, you know, obviously, has been on my radar for a while and never seen it. I remember the reason why I didn't see this is because one of my friends saw this and he hated it and he just talked shit about it nonstop. I'm like, all right. <laughs> but I watched it uh, finally. And what a strange film that I'm still sort of thinking about. Um, it's ready. Have you seen This Must Be the Place? I believe so, yeah, but I think it was a long time ago. Um, random story, when I was in Italy with my parents and my sister like 10 plus years ago, um, it had just came out, so I saw the marketing everywhere. Um, so I was seeing posters for it. I was like, why does Sean Penn look like the dude from The Cure? And like, what yeah. is this? So I think I watched it like maybe 10 years ago or like roughly around when it came out, so I don't really remember it too much. It's a very strange film that... Um, I, I, it's been a long time that I have had a seesaw of emotions in two hours of, of what I had with this film to where I was going, I'm into this. I'm not into this. That's a weird choice. I don't hmm. understand. I was like, okay, I'm back in. Wait, why? Just the, he just set his truck on fire and then he just went. I guess I put too much oil in it. <laughs> That's a joke. Okay. All right. Whatever. It's pretty good. Yeah. It made me laugh. <laughs> I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed him in this and uh, David Byrne shows up actually. Oh um, shit. In a very interesting scene. Um, but essentially Sean Penn is, is um, like Randy said, he basically looks like Robert Smith from the cure and he used to be the frontman of a very Cure-like band. And he has been uh, out of the public eye for two decades now. Uh, because apparently he... There were a couple of suicides with teen kids that was circled back to his music. And he took that very heavily and just decided that he was going to just stay out of, you know, the public eye and uh, just chill out in Dublin. So he's been in Dublin for 20 years uh, with his wife, the aforementioned Francis McDormand. And then he gets a phone call that his father is not doing well. He goes to visit his father, who he has not talked to in many years. And then his father dies while he is there. And then um, the crux of the story happens when... They find he finds out that his father was a Nazi hunter, Ooh. and then he gets involved with another Nazi hunter, 
and uh, and that is played by Judd Hirsch, who does a great job. And Judd Hirsch is just basically Judd Hirsch, but he's like, yeah, kill Nazis. What do you want? You want to kill a Nazi? All right, go kill a Nazi. <laughs> and uh, so then he it comes into a road movie where he goes down and he's trying to track down these Nazis, and uh, he buys a gun and he's going to go kill a Nazi. And what happens is is more interesting. Um, than I anticipated and frankly a little startling of how that all happens at the end um, when he finds his target as we say and then he he ends up back in in Dublin and um, you know sort of it, it becomes a journey of, of self-discovery and and uh, you know all that good warm-hearted bullshit but I I, I enjoyed this it's a strange <laughs> film but I I'm glad I finally watched it um, and then also yesterday I saw a film that I had been meaning to see for several weeks now. I believe it came out about a month or so ago. Um, a Western called Old Henry uh, starring Tim Blake Nelson, the great Tim Blake Nelson, um, who has most recently been seen in the very last scene of Nightmare Alley. Uh, but Tim Blake Nelson basically plays a um, older guy um, out in... <laughs> nowhere of i think it kind of tells us that uh, we may be in new mexico we may be in kansas i'm not sure it moves around a lot of of where exactly our location is because they talk a lot about kansas they talk a lot about arizona uh but essentially you know we're, we're it's frontier it's certainly the wild west and he has uh, staked his claim uh his wife died uh, 10 years ago uh, with the bubonic plague, I believe it was. And he has his teenage son there. And then also his brother-in-law played by Trace Atkins, uh, the country superstar Trace Atkins, who is a giant, burly, very low-voiced, gravelly-voiced man um, who, frankly, I, I have seen him pop up in more and more films. I think he has been in more you know, family friendly sort of things. And I haven't really seen him a lot. He, I thought he was great in this. I really enjoyed him. He was perfect for his role. And, um, also Steve, uh, Steven Dorf shows up as, uh, the main bad guy. And look, I'm going to tell you, there's, you're going to be hard pressed to find a more entertaining bad guy than Steven Dorf. I've, I talked about him before with, um, Oh, what was that movie a couple weeks ago I talked about with him in it? It doesn't matter. He's great. I love him. <laughs> and, mm, okay, the thing with Old Henry is there are, it's a twist ending, all right? And it, it, it not only is it a twist ending, it's a twist ending on a twist ending. All right, they get a little, they get a little cute there at the end. And essentially, um, I don't think the story really needed that. It's cute. But basically what this movie is, it's it's the film from earlier in 2021 called Nobody, featuring uh, starring Bob Odenkirk, but in the West. So essentially, um, Tim Blake Nelson's character has a past that he is trying to protect, especially from his son. And then the longer the film goes on, some, we start to discover a little bit more stuff. And then the big uh, reveal happens of who exactly this person is. Um, 
the action really takes there's no action until the third act and then it gets it's fun there's some good stuff in there and i i had a blast with old henry i really really enjoyed it and i i just think it's a solid solid you know western um yeah you know it, i think that you know you got to do a little bit of the mass marketing thing and and put in the twist that they did uh but you know narratively it didn't do a whole lot for me i did go oh okay but you know i think the story is is solid on its own merits and uh you know tim blake nelson man he's he's one of my favorites and uh, i really really enjoyed old henry hey was um the steven dorf movie you're thinking about fucking leatherface yes that's it that's it <laughs> yes hey, thank you who who was in a uh, nightmare alley uh, Tim Blake Nelson. He was the guy at the end of the film where it oh. all circled back together. Yeah. Holy shit. I didn't. I'm because I'm looking at him on IMDb. Dude. Uh, so I got a DM after we covered uh, Nightmare Alley and somebody sent me an article about uh, Del Toro who started texting Spielberg and George Miller through like the lockdown because I guess he got bummed out because they shut down the production of Nightmare Alley, but they just started doing the like, uh, uh, who who does Tarantino talk to? He just made that fucking um, Sparks God. Doc- yeah, God. To that uh, Sparks documentary. What the hell's his name? Edgar Wright. Yeah, you know how they sit there and nerd out? Yeah, I guess Del Toro was doing that with Spielberg and George Miller. I'm like, man, it's a way cooler group. Although, you know what? <laughs> Not... I don't know. I have a hard time getting excited about Spielberg anymore. Yeah. He's got too much like fandom. You haven't but, um, seen West Side Story, bro? No, and I know people are gushing about it, but I just have no interest in it. Yeah, nor do I. I don't like Ansel Egghort or whatever his name is. Ansel Elgort? Yeah. He stinks. Oh, dude, the the way that uh our dumb internet's acting, I hell I thought you said incel. And I was like, whoa, what the hell did you hear about that, that too? <laughs> also, dude, old Henry, this looks like a fucking dirty Western. This shit looks cool as hell. I, how did you hear about it? Uh, I just saw it advertised on iTunes. I was like, oh, Western with Tim Blake Nelson. I'm in. That's all it takes. Um, I mean, honestly, we're looking at three, four locations here. Um you know, I'm down with that. I, I can't imagine there was a whole lot of uh there wasn't a ton of budget here, but they they stretched their dollar. And uh you don't really need that. And the majority of it's taking place at, at their house. And uh man, I I really, really enjoyed it. Well, I mean, fuck, Bone Tomahawk didn't have a ton of money. And I feel like that movie probably had like three locations in it. And I know it's probably a little bit of a different genre play there, but I still like, dude, Westerns are cool because the, like the setting is already, it's all like queued up. All you really need is a couple good performances and I don't know, to deliver with like, you know, the fantasy of the West and you can well, have Bone, something. Bone Tomahawk cool. kind of turns into a road movie of sorts. Yeah. In act two, it definitely does. But I mean, that's part of the Western thing too. Like stagecoach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like that, that's a big part of it. Like humanity against the world kind of thing. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you sold me on Old Henry. I want to watch it. Is it only available? Is it only on iTunes or is it everywhere? I should be able to rent it anywhere. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, it's twenty minutes shorter than that boring ass movie Randy talked about. 
<laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, I think it, I think it's a solid 90. Oh, I get yeah. It. All right, that's it for me. All right. Well, now that I've actually been... So, okay, even though I'm doing a bang-bang right now, I didn't find out till after I did inventory at work, where if you've ever worked in a warehouse or had a retail job, uh, you might get a... You might have your own shiver run through you when you think of inventory. as one of the most annoying... Uh, tax-centric things that you just have to do in the fucking world of business. I'm so glad I don't have to do inventory. Dude, fucking... You know, every year at inventory, I tell myself, this is the last year I'm going to do this. (laughs) And uh, I'm on the third year with this particular company. And uh, man, when I got home, I died. And I continued to die for three days. And... You know, even after it was, it became clear that people had come down with the virus and it was like, oh, we have to cancel all our plans for the weekend, which include D&D. We had an interview lined up. We canceled it, which uh, we rescheduled. Don't worry. But I was like, cool, I can get some shit done. I can read and shut everybody up who's been rubbing it in. Oh, boy, I did not feel like fucking reading. I basically laid there and watched YouTube for a long time. So on, um, I believe yesterday I, uh, woke up and I, I felt a little bit better and I was like, you know, honestly, <laughs> there's a film fest that needs to be worked on and I got to watch something for the podcast and maybe I'll jump into the TBR. And I got a text from another one of our, uh, former guest hosts, uh, Charlie, the Birdman, And, um, he hit me up and was like, Hey, you know, that thing I briefly mentioned before, uh, it's streaming right now. And we had talked, I don't think it was on here, but about a Twitch stream called Racer Trash, which, man, now this is a little hard to get into. So I dug up an article. Um, if you're interested in this, I'll, I'll have Oksana tweet it out. But basically, Racer Trash is a group of uh, industry film editors who got together during the lockdown and decided that they were going to recut movies into a vaporwave version. Now, even vaporwave is kind of a loaded term. Uh, vaporwave is an aesthetic that is both uh, music and visual. It's rooted in the 80s and the 90s, using like 90-era technology and like 80s music. It's got a lot of that purple and blue color scheme, a lot of pinks that you see in like a Hotline Miami. And... um Pink is my favorite color. Oh, it's it's a it's a strong color. It used to be royalty and very masculine back in the day. S- Steven Tyler. That's a I got it. Smith <laughs> Thank you. Randy, you got that one? Hell yeah. <laughs> now, um this this vaporwave thing, I didn't know what to think of it. And I love a re-editing of a movie because you know, as again, I don't understand uh what you call it when Shakespeare's talking. I don't also don't understand postmodernism. <laughs> so when there's art left on the floor and somebody picks it up and changes it, I'm interested in it. And uh, you know, another thing Charlie had sent me was a uh uh recut version of Showgirls, which all the music was removed and replaced with David Lynch music. Uh, that's available on Vimeo. You know what? I should throw that up. Also, it, it's interesting too because the it's one of the things we deal with with found footage where no matter how collaborative the effort was to make, I don't know, Madonna's number one hit of the year or, uh, you know, a movie, 
it doesn't fucking matter. At the end of the day, when you're online and you're pulling all these elements and you're remaking it into a new thing, it's just the editor. It's just you. And uh, that's what it is with that um, Showgirls remix. And it's cool because the editor actually, he wrote a long thing about why he did it and why he made the cuts. Anyway, so Vaporwave, um, one of the editors was streaming on Twitch, uh, Speed Racer, the movie from uh, early 2000s. And he put in there, you know, my, my that was soul the Wachowskis. Wish. Yeah, it was, uh, it actually was. Yeah. So he put in there, you know, I, my only wish is that somebody would make this a vaporwave like recut and 48 hours later on, uh, his birthday, they, uh, it was there, they delivered it to him. And thus the whole, uh, I guess film co- collective, um, now known as racer, racer trash was born. And it spiraled out of control. So many people, I mean, names as big as Adam Wingard have jumped on and uh, a plethora of other industry people. And what they do is they pick a film, uh, usually based on a funny wordplay, and then they have a team leader and they will break the film down into segments and then issue them out into the team. So everybody will get together and do like, I don't know, two to eight minutes and they'll, they'll redo the movie. So when Charlie hit me up on um, Saturday, I had, I was just waking up. I was feeling okay. And he was like, hey, dude, there's a live stream happening right now. And uh, when I got up, they were showing um, hackers. And, uh, you know, they spell hackers in leet. I don't know if you remember. I, you know, I don't know how Shakespeare talks. But leet is uh, early internet lingo for, uh, you know, you replace the A in the word with a four or, <laughs> or an E with a three. And, um, I, dude, I tuned into hackers and I didn't turn, I, God, when was hackers? That was like noon, right, Oksana? I think we started. I think, yeah, around like 1230 it was or like, one. It was like 12 and we didn't turn off the stream until I think one in the morning. Yeah. Now, um, it's funny because I was thinking, you know, I haven't watched the fucking movie all week. What am I going to talk about? That's completely wrong. So we watched hackers, which was, um, life altering. And, you know, the best way I've heard this whole art, like, experience described is it's kind of like video graffiti. Because you're taking a film like Hackers, which is such a, like, lame studio movie that clearly did not understand the culture it was trying to emulate. And somebody takes back that product, which was made for monetary value, and they turn it into this, like, mix of like i mean fuck there's like ash nico music in it it's all like chopped and screwed everything is purple and it looks like it's been run through a vhs filter like i mean to say it's run through a vhs filter would be uh i feel like yeah it's underselling it. it there's so much like love and attention put into this and you know after at the end of the first one i'm like well how can you even how long does it take somebody to do this then I, I realized, like, the segment thing. Also, I was watching this. The only way you can watch this stuff is on Twitch. So every time a um, new segment would start, it's not like they would prompt you, like, in an anthology film, but the chat would be like, oh, this is Adam Wingard's part. And it's fucking interesting. I mean, most of the people who worked on these, I don't know their names, but, I mean, how many studio editors do we know? Anyway, I'll briefly run through the list because it's pretty creative. The first one I watched again was Hackers, which played into a mystery wave, which was basically like 80s commercials that they had repurposed. 
And man, there were some good Nickelodeon ones in there. Then they showed Dark Wave 2, which is an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark that they alter. Though, man, that gave me nostalgic like chills, but also just like as a fan of cinema, you, you never think of things like Are You Afraid of the Dark as being like worth anything. And then you, I mean, you can love it and you grow up on it, but then it's touched by all these like creative people. And it's just like, like, honestly, it's, it's video graffiti. And it, it just has a whole new life. After that, it went into Clueless, which, wow, what a what a transformation they put that movie <laughs> through. And, you know, part of the beautiful thing is you're not, there's no parameters here. So Paul Rudd in the movie, you know, they'll pull images and um, scenes of him in other films and cut them together. They'll loop things. They'll do weird time distortions. But also they'll have things like uh, Alicia Silverstone giving interviews post movie. So, you know, a lot of the times like graffiti, it is very satirical. So, you know, in the film, you may have a character who is a very virtuous um, being, but they're played by an actor who's not very beloved in real life. And they'll have clips of them like from Twitter and they'll just like play kind of counter. I don't know. It's really interesting. But anyway, after clueless, here's the one that I thought uh, Clark might've been interested in. It's called Jazz Ass. I now, watched jazz, five minutes of this. I know. Now, here's the Same. thing. These also feel like they could be completely anti-Randy and anti-Clark thing. But I, it's weird because I don't know why. They're almost made for like a TikTok audience. Like things are just constantly happening. But there's really no narrative to hook on. So you got to be like emotionally invested but also, I think it's kind of just a new platform. You got to be into live streaming and like chat and kind of having this group um, experience that can only be happening in live. But um, Jazzass, of course, is Jackass the movie recut with only a jazz um, soundtrack. That shit, like, the, the idea is genius. I, I just think, you know, you take what people consider to be one of the most lowbrow forms of film and you you just put it on a train and send it directly at another train that's full of what people consider the most highbrow form of music. Oh, 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 okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop. Who's saying that Jackass is lowbrow? Get the fuck out of here. I don't, I don't see Criterion putting it out. And Randy they should. And- <laughs> yeah, we need to I love the Jackass series. movies. Jackass yeah. is great. The aesthetic of Jackass is top notch. Hey, okay, I know. And this is why I do a podcast with you too. You get it. And even the form, everything about Jackass is actually super fucking interesting. And I think is, you know, it, it's worth its weight in a, I don't know, I don't like where that's going. But um <laughs> it <laughs> the thing is it's considered light entertainment. I'm sure people aren't putting on their thinking caps when they go and see a jackass movie. I remember seeing it in the theater and I went there with like 14 other people and we all brought our skateboards in the theater. It's just, you know, it's more of a party film. And, um, you combine that with jazz and you get beautiful things like, like a trumpet being shoved in somebody's butt, but it's, you know, playing against uh, classic jazz, which I don't have a uh, reference point for because I'm not very learned. As uh, you all know earlier when I'm trying to talk about Shakespeare. Anyway. After- no, I, I really enjoyed this segment where um, it was the uh, the slow-mo dildo flying in the face. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was good. 
There's a lot of that. And the thing that I learned instantly while being on this Twitch stream is that that community has discovered, they've developed their own like form of language, much like Shakespeare, where they all have acronyms for everything. Or if there's like nudity, which is always brief, or just like heavy petting (laughs) or making out in like studio films, um, people just start typing horny alert. And when that dildo was flying around, yeah, dude, I don't know. It, it was a fucking blast. And the problem I had that I was texting Charlie about is I'm like, how do I get away from this now? Like I was just, I was in bed and it was kind of just this endless stream offering me this new elevated form of cinema. And I'm like, how do I get away from it? And he was like, dude, you got to leave. Like you just got to jump out at some point. So after jazz ass, I didn't stick around for Dooms or it's band time. It's band time. I'm not sure what the visuals were, but I I heard that all the editors had to provide their own original music. So that seemed cool. Uh, After that was Daft Punks, which I don't know what they were doing there. But me and Oksana made it a thing. We actually ventured out of the room just to go downstairs briefly to watch uh, our most anticipated film called Abaduk, which was The Babadook all with the soundtrack only consisting of ABBA. And uh, it was, it was brief. It was 30 minutes long. And uh, man, I Oksana, do you want to talk about that? I know you were very excited for it. I just hope you came away with a new appreciation for ABBA. This was amazing. <laughs> I never ever in my like, who would ever think to combine these two things? I feel like it was made for me specifically, which is insane to think, but I loved it. Yeah. By, so, by the way, Russ, the fact that you don't like ABBA makes you a fucking idiot. So ABBA's cool. Here, hold on. Let me turn off Oxon's mic so say, she can't. Dancing Queen is like overplayed. I think they have way better songs, but they did include my favorite ABBA song in this half hour compilation. Also, there was like five ABBA songs I'd never heard of. Well, again, a, have a, you heard what, the new record? <laughs> I heard one song that's going to be in their like hologram tour or whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> not, right. not, not too into it. They no. have a new Christmas song as well. Oh, yeah, I think I heard it and I might not remember it. So here's the thing. That's fair. I am a fucking red blooded patriot and I fucking love our country and ABBA. They this week's episode brought to you by <laughs> Black Rifle Coffee. <laughs> no, ABBA just, you know, it has that very European pop thing, which always to me felt like, well, why am I going to listen to that when we have so many great pop stars over here? I don't you like Euro pop? I do. I do now a lot. They have a lot more like disco infused, which... Which I appreciate much more now than I used to. Yeah. And um, the thing is... Um, I found Abaduk uh, incredibly fucking uh, powerful. It's almost like you enter in on the premise of a joke, like some some wordplay, and it's like, God damn, man. The thing is, you know, when you're dealing with a traditional film like, like the Babadook, you have a narrative, and there's emotions trying to be conveyed, and there's ultimately a story and acting. And that all kind of melts away when we're doing the vaporwave thing. Because now it's no longer about that. It's kind of like in the back of your head, keep in mind what this film was originally about. But now we're going to put music over these scenes that you know already. And the music 
plays off of it in a completely different way. It's kind of like the Wizard of Oz when people would play Pink Floyd to it. And it was this like group experience where you're like, whoa, it syncs up, except it's not like that. It's like the music may be in complete juxtaposition to the scene, but there's still always an emotional effect. And man, that shit, almost, it made me like tear up a couple of times. Um, I think The Babadook is my favorite movie ever. Damn. Really? Babadook. I, I keep over Wolf Cop like, Two. Oh <laughs> Wolf Cop Two is amazing, but I the Babadook just has so many more things that I love. Like I love pop up books. <laughs> I don't know if I like have a small collection growing of like pop up books, and I don't know. Every time I see the Babadook used in something like clips from it, I'm just like, I fucking love that movie. So do so you much. like do you like the Abaduk more than the Babadook? I think I'd have to. I think so. I mean, I know it was a biased uh, group that we were taking the poll from, but in that chat, most of the people were like, you know, I've seen the Babadook a couple times. I've seen the Abaduk every chance I've got. Charlie texted me and said he's never seen the Babadook, but he's seen the Abaduk <laughs> about four or five times now. Dude, it's great. And it's a shame um, that, you know, now that we've just found this like weird, cool community. And I mean, honestly, so, you know, we just found this community and everybody in the chat said they're doing one more stream and that's it. They're done. So, um, you know, follow them on Twitch. If you have a Twitch, you'll get a notification next time that stream goes up. Watch it. There's only going to be one more. Anyway, after the Abaduk, uh, we went into the full feature length version of Verta. Here we go. <laughs> so that one's a little hard to pronounce because I guess it would be Verta Huig. But it's Vertigo with uh, one of the acronyms that that community came up with, which is HWG, which stands for Here We Go, which is kind of what Clark did to Randy when we were watching Carnival Magic, where it's like, hey, my buddy might be on the phone, but you want to tap him and be like, hey, man, watch this part. That's what HWG means. So Verta, Here We Go. I prefer LGB. Okay. (laughs) Dude. Vertigo, Randy, if it wasn't what that aired at 9 p.m. our time, that would have been midnight your time. You yeah. would have fucked with that one just because of the the art centric nature of Vertigo and the heavy handed like academic atmosphere around Vertigo. Both of those were completely flipped. So, uh, again, the 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 statement of like visual graffiti is perfect here. They took a lot of the um, animation from the film and really played with it. Also, you know, we're kind of, I don't know, we're kind of old now, but we're also too young to really be huge fans of like vertigo. But everybody knows that like Midge is just like a fan favorite. Everybody wanted that girl to, to win in the end. And she kind of just gets like, you know, she's there with Jimmy Stewart until she's not in the movie anymore. And this film really gives her a platform. They like the crowd, like God, the chat just fucking loved her. But also hmm. all the segments kind of like were very pro Midge, which is just such a weird thing. Like imagine re-editing Vertigo in a way where you could give an under, you know, a character like the underdog, like kind of a, pl- I, it's so weird. It's even hard. It's just hard to articulate. Anyway, that was like fucking the length of Vertigo. It was like two hours long. And that movie is really, um, that's a tough one to chew on to because a lot of the movie embraced the uh, new knowledge about Hitchcock and how maybe he wasn't the kindest director. 
So, you know, in the chat, people, they kind of would get caught up with the, I love this movie, but man, fuck that dude. Yeah. And I don't know. I still can't get on board with that sentiment. I really think a lot of people in life, we all do shitty things. So, I mean, some more shittier than others, obviously, as I'm here defending Red Rocket like two weeks ago. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't like those conversations. Anyway, after that one, we've got You've Got Nails. Okay, Do first you, of all, it, it wasn't so much you were defending Red Rocket. You were defending yeah, a sociopath. I yeah, I couldn't think of his name, so I tried yeah. to veer away from it. What, what was it? It was Mikey Boner or something? Sabers. Mikey, Mikey Saber. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I told me Mikey Boners. <laughs> Mikey Boners is way cooler. Um, anyway, you guys got an idea of what the mashup for uh, You've Got Nails was? Yeah, nine inch nails, and you've got mail. <laughs> Correct. Duh. <laughs> Two posters Randy has on his wall right now. Now, dude, <laughs> yep. I want to be very clear. Ma- you've got mail is a good movie. Um, you know what was weird was that chat dealing with Dave Chappelle being in that movie. Because here's the thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Dave Chappelle's in a lot of that movie, and here's the thing. Dave Chappelle's not a bad dude. The fucking trans like conversation is just so convoluted and built out of like rage that you can tell a big group um, or, you know, a healthy population of the uh, chat had come from Twitter and in Twitter, you cannot like him, which, uh, you know, we've been joking about with our boy, Pat Oswald, who gave his lengthy apology letter. He turned rat. <sighs> yeah. What the fuck? It's like, dude, watch the special. Dave doesn't say anything shitty. It's actually a really good like story he gives. But um, dude, You've Got Nails was fucking good. Man, that was one of my favorite. Anyway, after that, it went into Midnight Dark Wave 3, which was another Are You Afraid of the Dark that I loved. And then the last one, which if Randy wasn't in on Vertigo, he probably would have been in on Beach Houseu. Now... I've never heard of this band Beach House, but I'm guessing you have, Randy. Yeah, they're great. I know Beach so, House. So y'all both know the Criterion film Houseu too, right? Yeah. Yep. Holy shit. Like, wow. That was fucking amazing. I mean, Houseu's kind of built to be uh chopped and screwed in the like vaporwave way already. And then you mix in the whole like Japanese culture worship thing. But then a beach house who um, clearly they have slowed down a couple of their songs. Man, that just fucking worked. And honestly, I, I was in a position where I'm kind of like, fuck, are we really going to watch like another full movie? We got two seconds into that one and uh, there, it was clear we had to. Also, it opened up with a bonus feature uh, from the Criterion Blu-ray where the director was talking about his approach to cinema. And like, it's just him talking about like, you know, if you have a weird idea, he's like, that's a good idea. He's like, think of this, like anybody can film themselves in a mirror. And he's like, if you, if you break that mirror, it's going to create a bunch of fractals that they might be really interesting, or they might have created something you could have never imagined. He's like, that's what I want to do. And it's like, it's just one of those beautiful, like, summaries of like you know what the whole 12 hour evening we had spent and i i truly think it is transcendent and you know when we're drowning in fucking content and the new cable channels are streaming services i i really think um 
the next wave of visual medium is probably going to be the editor. It's going to be people at home, agoraphobic, scared of the virus, <laughs> re-editing this shit and just turning like, I don't know, Conan into like some vaporwave masterpiece. Um, I, I loved it. And I'm, I'm bummed that I only found out about it now. But follow him on Twitch. You can find him at uh, Racer X Trash. And the next and last time they go live, you should get a notification. And uh, I'll definitely be in there. They also have a bunch of like um, other clips on their website. Yeah, you know, I thought about putting that out there, but I really think it's the wrong way to watch it. Like if you go into YouTube or if you go into Vimeo, you can find... Um, particular editors or artists that uh have collaborated here and sometimes they'll go and load their own shit online and you can find segments like that but it's really like like the experience that i think clark and randy had was if you dip your toes in you're not gonna like it you're just gonna be like what the fuck is this you really gotta like i don't know become immersed in it you almost have to like drown in the vibes to get like all the different moods being portrayed it was weird. It kind of, it definitely made me think of, of 24. It was like the other end of it where I'm like, well, everyone here is like in for the curated long, you know, day of, yeah. they don't have a choice of what you're watching and they're just in the chat a bunch. I loved it. it. It was a little bit different because we were showing other people's art with like us kind of providing the glue in between. That's true. But then like the, you know, how the editors were in the chat explaining. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, um, it's funny because uh, Charlie also mentioned that when we did Off 24 Hour, there was a Racer, Racer Trash event going live. So he was in both of the chats. He was streaming <laughs> both of them. And he went into the Racer Trash one and uh, threw out, hey, anybody in the Off 24? And uh, shout out to Pierogi Witch, <laughs> who was. They were in both also. And I saw Pierogi Witch last night in the stream. The and whole day, yeah. And I was like, why the fuck do it? Why does that name ring a bell? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I honestly, I, I think we got to keep doing the live stream shit. I mean, even your mom's house. It's just like, it's unique. It's like this little pocket in time. I mean, when people aren't going out to the theater. And you get like a global audience. I don't know. It's fucking cool. Actually, have you still been? Are they still doing that, Clark? No, I'm over that. I don't need a sense of community anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out here on my own, baby. You need a damn therapist again. You also no. need some wall art on your <laughs> wall behind you. I don't have to. I don't have to clutter my life like you two psychos. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Yeah, I'm. Uh, that's it. That's I. I love it. I hope you all check it out when on their last stream. All right. That was Racer Trash Humpers. Uh, which <laughs> did come up in that chat. I think they might have done something with Trash Humpers, too. Of course. Why wouldn't they? Yeah. All right. Uh, any plugs? Anything you want to mention? We still got a couple more weeks for you to... Uh, oh, actually, do we? When, when are submissions ending? The end of January Ch is the regular deadline. There's a brief late submission window. I wouldn't wait for it. I would just try and get your submission in before the end of January. And if you do, we're going to charge you $500. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, so submit those uh, to us at our Film Freeway Unnamed Footage Festival. Uh, Russ, anything else? Any other announcements or points of note? Um, no. Uh, everybody's... No, stay safe out there. <laughs> Don't bang bang 
in a drive-through or in the viral way. But gangbang. Uh, yeah, but gangbang. Gang bang bang gang bang. Gang gang. And uh keep reading books. Just slow down, let me catch up. And uh I don't know. I'm I mean I'm medicated. We could keep going. Nope. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Randy, take her home. I hope uh, anyone and everyone out there with uh, flu and or Rona and or flu Rona uh, feels better by next time we talk to you or next time you listen to this. I don't. I hope you die. Bye.